For a pro-life state, we don't do a very good job on infant mortality, maternal mortality, healthcare in general. So I get so disgusted listening to the pro-life legislature talk about this when they don't do the things necessary to take care of life uh, after birth at all. They just don't do it. Alrighty, welcome in. Hello, I'm Politics This Week. I am Josh Moon, and the other person that you will definitely hear is... David Person. That's right. We uh, we talk a lot on this show. Um, <laughs> it's our show, do. so that's what we do. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's... Um, anything happening, David? <laughs> you know, anything politically going on that we should discuss? I, I was really just straining, trying to think about what can we discuss today? Yeah, you know, yeah. It just uh, it seems like a slow news day, except yeah. So it's we're going to lead off with the escaped <laughs> convict from Lauderdale County, um, and <laughs> yeah. So you know, man. So uh, just, uh, quickly, we're not leading off with that. I'm just you know, uh, but uh, somebody somebody said the other day that that was prison John Ham, <laughs> and once you look at that picture, you can't not see it. Uh, really, it's uh, yeah. If you look yeah. look at him, he kind of it's just off enough of John Ham that looks you know like prison John Ham, but. Uh, anyways, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, uh, no, uh, I think there are, there are other things. Uh, the, uh, the United States Supreme Court had a rare leak uh, this uh, what, Monday, Monday evening, and Politico got its hands on a draft opinion written by Justice Alito, uh, who um, uh, is apparently going to use all sorts of fiction and uh, just made up facts uh, to. Uh, uh, to overturn Roe v. Wade um, and basically uh, return to states uh, whatever laws they would like to impose on the, the practice of abortion and uh, uh, women's health issues. And um, so, you know, immediately that cuts out about uh, half the states uh, in America that will, um, uh, you know, put some severe limitations, if not complete outright restrictions mm-hmm. uh, on abortion practices. Um Regardless of what that means, uh, it plays well to the Republican base, and that's what they'll do. Um, we already have seen it in this state, and you know we are ready to go with a law here that uh, would basically ban it, and uh, and our politicians have promised to ban it, um, and so there we are. Well, you know, I've heard I heard uh, an interesting theory floated. Very adamantly, actually, by Joe Scarborough uh, on Mm -hmm. MSNBC um, uh, and this morning. And uh, apparently he thinks and he's not alone in this thinking either, Mm -hmm. that um, the leak actually came not from a outraged liberal or Democratic leaning person, Mm -hmm. but from an outraged conservative or Republican-leaning person that had access to it, you know, Mm -hmm. whether that was a staffer, a court staffer, or somebody related to a court staffer. Mm -hmm. And his his idea is that um, if if you are a conservative and and you, you know, you have 
and Alito coming out with an opinion like this, mm-hmm. then why would you why would you undermine that by and why, why well first of all why would you wait so you know the, 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 let me let me start it this way if you're a liberal and you're upset about it why would you wait so long to leak it if you're going to leak it mm-hmm. you know and then his thought was that, so if you're a conservative it makes more sense to leak it because you're trying to you see that over the passage of time because that thing was written right in february i think that brief was written in uh, february I believe that's right. I, I you know, I have to go back. Um, yeah, I'd go back and look at it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But yeah, it's been, it's been written for a while. Yeah, and so the logic is, well, that was circulating in February or or whenever it was, February, March, and and then the and then the responses began to come in. The pushback started, and perhaps Alito and and Roberts in particular may have been working to try because he's an institutionalist and and Alito mm-hmm. is not um was trying to get him to uh water down uh some of his more caustic i guess uh some of the more caustic concepts and language and so the idea here is that um uh, somebody who's a conservative want, wanted to make sure that that didn't happen and so mm-hmm. they wanted to get that that uh, version out there so that Republicans would then try to hold and conservatives would try to hold the court to this majority position. What do you yeah. what do you think about that? What's your what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, it's you, so uh, to me, the only motivation Honestly, there's no there's no real motivation uh, for the liberal justices and clerks outside of just being, you know what, we're so pissed off here. Just take a look at what they're doing. Uh, I mean, which, you know, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, Um, you know, and I'll tell you this, too. I think they're going to have a hell of a time finding out who did this, uh, because uh, one, if you'll notice, one of the people on that Politico story uh, is a guy who deals with in national security issues. Um, and I'm going to bet that there was some real back channeling that was going on in here, and there was some encryption that was used on a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I would be, I bet they're going to have a hard time finding out exactly who did this. But, um, you know, so I, uh, to me, you know, what, you said makes sense, um, and, and is one thing one of the one of the things that makes the most sense. I think uh, you know, I, to me, I, I I don't. Maybe it is a liberal who just got pissed off and said, "Hey, you know, here's what here's the shit they're doing, and here, you know, take it and you know, show the world, you know, what this what what they wanted to do. No matter what they ultimately do, this is what they wanted to do. Um, but you know, it makes a whole lot more sense what you said. It also makes more sense." If you are a one of the more conservative justices, maybe uh, Roberts uh, or somebody working for Roberts or somebody even working for Gorsuch or Kavanaugh. You know, one of the things that I I don't know, I take an interest in, I guess, is the best way to put it, because I'm not overly zealous about it. I'm not crazy and I don't get all bogged down into like the rules and all this, uh, the history of the court and everything. But I do like uh, stories about the relationships between justices 
and the conversations that leak out among them into the media and to the people that really know what's going on. And one of the things I was more interested in, I want to say it was two years ago, maybe a year, a little more than a year ago, when Kavanaugh, they had this discussion about a particular abortion. Uh, it wasn't, you know, outright abortion, whether or not Roe v. Wade was in question, but it was something related to it, uh, you know, and I, I want to say it was maybe the admitting privileges stuff that they were trying to impose uh, in Louisiana. Um, and at that time, Kavanaugh was, you know, s- supposed to, and, and not trust the sourcing of, of the person that, that reported it, was supposed to have had these conversations with uh, several justices where he said, listen, let's do it this way so we don't have to address any of these issues about abortion. And because I, we, we don't want to get into that. You know, we don't, we don't want to do this uh, on, on this thing. You know, we don't want to take this on. Um, and, and it seemed to indicate that he had a real hesitation for, uh, you know, I, I think he, he realizes at a point there that what, what, when you, if you do this, I don't think people fully grasp how monumental of a change in procedure and the way this court operates and views things that overturning Roe v. Wade would be. Because it's not simply um, just overturning a law. You know, it's, it's, it's not that simple. This law was, you know, the great debate about it. There was all these court decisions that went into it. There was so much time and effort that went into the original Roe decision. All right. And that was a very conservative court that decided this. Uh, I want to say it was 8-1, uh, maybe 7-2. Uh, then there was a test case for this later. Um, I want to say the late 90s uh, with, with Casey. Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And so the issue was back before the court. And so it tested with that court what the precedent was going to be. And they upheld it again just as strongly with another very conservative court. Uh, I want to say at that point, a majority of the justices, if not a, a big majority of the justices, had been appointed by Republican presidents. So, so you have, I mean, it is basically ultra precedent for the most part. I mean, you know, they, they, some people will stop short of defining it that way. But I mean, you know, so if this falls, then there is nothing that is sacred there for them. Anything is on the table for the most part. Um, Yeah, I know know that's definitely the argument that many people have been making, including our buddy, um, State Representative Neil Rafferty. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been making that argument as well that, you know, this will just be the beginning and then we'll see a rolling back of rights to including, uh, you know, same sex marriage and mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps even voting rights, you know. Yep. So, yeah, um, yeah. listen, I you think know, you make a good point about that. And that's a very real concern people have. There's no there's no wall that is now stopping them. If this, if this carries through with this, and because listen, that opinion is complete and utter horseshit. All right. I mean, it is. And I, and I mean that from a legal standpoint. Okay. It is garbage. 
It is utter garbage. What he he writes, if that opinion comes out from that court, that makes that court a, an absolute joke. All right, it, that, and that's not. I'm not even talking about um, the right and wrong of it or anything. I'm not. I'm just, it's not because the opinion is something I I disagree with or anything. I'm just talking about the the arguments behind it, the facts weighing it. It is it is such garbage. Um, so I, you you can go through there and it you can pick out fifteen things in a matter of minutes that are just utterly false. They're, they're false pretenses for things about you know the, the history of women's rights and what led to this decision and the original Roe decision and all. I mean they're they're just factual errors that that they're put up there as facts to support making the change. And I, I just it it's so it's so shitty and, and it's all it's political. That's all it is. It's a political oh, sure. opinion. Um, and it's. Well, well, it's political opinion, but it's also, let's face it. I mean, there's there's also a strong religious component to this whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and and I think that's always I've, my read on it when it comes to the Supreme Court and Roe, it, Roe v. Wade is that. The uh, the arguments have always ultimately come from a place of religious belief as opposed to uh, anything related to the Constitution or, um, you know, I mean, even the politics of it, I think, really ultimately comes back to religion, I think. So um, I would I would argue that. And I think I think what we've got here is is and and of course we have now uh and this is not to you know lump all uh, Catholics into the same group because they're Catholics who are pro choice you know right. they're Catholics who are pro choice just like they're Catholics who are not but uh I think I think our court right now is uh well I know that six I think six of the justices if I'm not mistaken I think six of them are Catholic and the sense I get is that they are are Catholics, not of the Pope Francis strain of Catholicism, <laughs> but more of the you know the you know the Pope uh, Benedict strain of right. Catholicism. And so uh, you know they tend to be, and those those folks who loved Benedict as Pope were conservative people, very conservative, politically, socially conservative people. People that have been applauding Francis, uh, including some Protestants like myself, you know, we like him because he 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 is willing to. Uh, and I'm not saying he's been perfect as a leader of his denomination either, but mm-hmm. but at least in terms of the the his application of theological concepts, he's a lot more open. He's a lot more what I would call liberal or progressive. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think that has something to do with it too. Uh, yeah, maybe so. You know, I, like you know, I, yeah, you know, it's it's easy. I think what people have a tendency to do a lot of times is is try to lump everybody together, and they try to view the the abortion thing as um, you know, uh, black and white. You know, do do or don't sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, we, we've talked about it before on here and, you know, and had some people on and talked about it at length. And I, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm sure that my, my beliefs on this don't, don't really square with a lot of Democrats on, on it. You know, I, 
Um, there, there are things that I would be willing to, to say or do, you know, or to on, on this that I think are right or wrong that, you know, that's just how I feel. Uh, but I think that these other people are entitled to their opinion as well. Uh, and, and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not carrying a child. Uh, I don't have to deal. I know what it does to, to a woman to do so. Um, you know, and I've, I've seen that process. And, um, even for women who are so over the, you know, moon thankful for the pregnancy as my wife and I were, um, at it, you know, it's still hard as hell, you know, and to imagine that you're going to tell somebody, all right, well, you got to do it, you know, uh, even after being the victim of crime, uh, being the victim of incest, being, you know, uh, or having a, a, a pregnancy that is, is very, very difficult and, and possibly life threatening to, to both of them, uh, having a pregnancy in which the viability of the child is, is very much in question. I don't think people people just say shit. A lot of times, well, you know, we just got to get rid of it because it might be hard. You don't understand the emotion of of carrying that for that period of time and, right. and resting your, your hopes and, and wishes and the fear that you walk with every single day for those nine months. And to know that it, you know, it could end in that sort of heartbreak is just it's too much for a lot of people to bear when they right. know it early on. And well, you know what? Think, That's a I mean, reasonable position. It's a reasonable thing. Sure. I mean, think about the fact that there, there are plenty of women who give birth to healthy children mm-hmm. who, who struggle with what we call postpartum. Oh, yes. So that's yes. so that's arguably under the best outcome. So mm-hmm. what do you think is what do you think is going to be if the outcome falls into one of the categories that you talked about? Yeah. And the idea that. um you know, the idea that for the most part, a group of people who cannot, who don't have the ability to birth a child because mm-hmm. they don't have uteruses and they have penises mm-hmm. are dictating to, you know, half the population with uteruses that if they get pregnant, they absolutely must carry a baby to term. Uh, no matter what the condition is, just on its face just seems just outrageous and and grossly unjust. Yeah, yeah. dictating is a is a is the right word there. Dictating. Yeah, um, yeah. you yeah, know, really for more reasons than one, right? Right, right. Um, you know, it, and and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that I have a real problem with is, you know, I, I could take you, I could take you much more seriously. In your fight for babies, you know, if at the same time or prior to this, you had established yourself as a protector of these children. All right. If you had adopted policies that said we're going to make sure women get the care that they need, that we're going to make we're going to have the great we're going to have the lowest mortality rate, infant mortality rate uh, in the in the world is what we're going to do, because we're we've got the most money where we have the most uh, resources. We have the greatest medical facilities. We're going to make sure that we've got the lowest infant mortality rate. We're going to take care of women. We're going to make I watched my wife uh, breastfeed our child. 
as she worked on a keyboard at her job uh, and taking calls uh, and, and doing different things for, her, for the job that she had because you only get so many days off, you know. You, you only get you know only, only so much time, and you know we, we could have we were in a position where we could we could have done more, and, and you know we probably she went back you know earlier than than we should have on, on some things, but you know we could have done they offered uh, leave, but it was you know half pay or no pay leave or you know but and so that's the but those are the choices that you're forcing people into, and that's we're lucky we were lucky to have that you know. Um, most people don't, and uh, a lot of people don't, and and it's so. If your concern was really about children and really about saving these lives of these kids, where the hell you been? You know, right. what you what have you been doing? Or is this just a, as I suspect, a political issue for you that you've grasped onto uh, with, with simple emotion about the whole thing. And you don't really give a shit about the kids themselves. And a matter of fact, as soon as those kids are born, you're going to denigrate them so damn bad and make policies that punish them for the rest of their lives. Uh, and you know, and you'll toss up your hands and pretend like you didn't play a role in it. And that's, what's going to take place. Yep. Because it's Uh, already taking place. Yeah. Every day, every single day it's taking place here. And I, it just, uh, infuriates me, uh, to no end the, to watch these people do this and pretend they're on some moral high ground with this thing uh, while, you know, they just absolutely shit on so many kids that are born and so many women that uh, that are out there that are in tough spots. And <sighs> anyways, so. Hey, yeah. uh, before before we have to get out of here. um did you hear and I'm trying to look it up now to make see if it's if it's true. Did you hear that Dave Chappelle was attacked? Yes. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. He was attacked yeah. on stage. He was. Yeah. Guy, yeah, yeah, the guy did not fare well. Uh, yes, I saw that this morning. Uh, he uh, tried to tackle Dave at the uh, L.A. Bowl. Um, so Dave at, or Hollywood secu- Bowl. He had security. Yeah. Or something. Oh, yeah. 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 The security did quite a number on that guy. His arms were bent backwards. Good, uh, good, good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know what what was going on. Uh, Chris Rock uh, was apparently there with with Chappelle. Said uh, wanted to know if it was Will Smith. Um, <laughs> Wait, is was that, that serious? Will Smith? Are you serious? Is yeah, Chris, I'm serious. He was, he, was there, he was there with with Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and somebody uh, bust. I think Busta Rhymes or somebody was backstage when the guy took off running backstage. He was back there. So, wow. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a there was, was there were quite a few comedians there. It was apparently a really good job. I'd like to have been at that show. I mean, there were some really good dudes there. I've um, been to the Hollywood Bowl. That's a nice that's a nice venue, but it, I can imagine that it's kind of easy to I mean, I I've been backstage at the Hollywood Bowl. It's kind of yeah. easy to get back there. I mean, there's not a lot. Yeah. I mean, cuz it's a, you know, it's an amphitheater. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, um, he definitely got the. I, I don't know. I couldn't tell from the videos that I watched whether or not he actually knocked Chappelle down, but he took a he. You know, he he took a run at him and and hit him with like a form tackle around the waist. And I know Chappelle started going backwards in the video I was watching. It cut off, mm. and so I don't. I don't know what. I don't know if Chappelle actually hit the ground or not, but um, I assume he did. But the um, 
he, uh, yeah, they, then I saw the, the security scrum and all the people running out there. And uh, then I saw the pictures later of the guy getting loaded on the ambulance. And literally his elbow was pointing uh, forward. Um, and so it was uh, not a good look for him. Tough night. Tough night right. for the guy r- rushing the stage on Dave Chappelle. Well, they say he they say he was uh, the story in the L.A. Times says that he uh, <laughs> that he sustained an arm injury. I'm thinking, man, he's lucky. That's all he's. Sustained. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he, yeah, I'm going to guess he's got some bruises in the round there, too. Uh, it's probably listen, a black eye or something. The, yeah. the, an interesting sort of spin on this that I hadn't even thought about is uh, this. uh this criminal defense attorney is being quoted as saying this Chappelle has a strong argument that he could be attacked during a performance on stage and the venue should have protections in place for that. I'm sure the Hollywood poll will take it upon themselves to investigate how this happened, including an investigation into how a deadly weapon was brought into the concert. Oh, so I guess the guy had a, had a weapon with him. Hmm. Yeah, I That's think he tough. had a knife. I think is what I oh, thought I read somewhere. Well, that could have been. Uh, that could, things could have ended much worse on this. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but that, I, that, that's a whole new. Yeah, it's just things are yeah. crazy right now. Man. They are, man. I mean, that's a. I will say though, oh, oh boy, left out of there looking like red after he tried to get his bike back from Debo. Uh, so he, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, let me tell you about Red's ass. <laughs> the Friday. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's slide out of here. We have uh, our uh, great, uh, you know what? We're still going to call him Senator Doug Jones, yeah. uh, coming up uh, to talk about his time, uh, timely, timely conversation, talking about his time as the uh, Sherpa for our latest uh, Supreme Court justice, and um, you know, get his thoughts on what took place on Monday or what could be taking place with the Supreme Court now. So, uh, back in a minute, Alabama politics this week. politics this week, Josh Moon, Dave Person, we are uh, happy now to have our permanent uh, senator, United States senator, uh, for <laughs> at least for our show, our purposes. Uh, Doug Jones joins us now, and uh, we've, uh, you know, I've, I've messaged back and forth with you because I wanted to get you on, uh, you know, to, to talk about what you did uh, w- with uh, shepherding our, our newest Supreme Court justice through the process, and um, and and as luck would have it, we delayed until well. First of all, to your birthday, and then also uh, until uh, uh, until we had a real Supreme Court basic uh, basically crisis going on here now. Yeah. Um, yep. And so, I guess first of all, um, I'd just like to know your thoughts about what what's taking place. Uh, you know, on Monday with the leaked draft, and you know, obviously we don't know if that's the the end product of what's going to come out of that with uh, Roe v. Wade and uh, the abortion issue. But just kind of your your thoughts on, on where we stand. Yeah, it's we're not in a good place, Josh. I mean, uh, I, I see what happened in the last couple of days as really a double whammy to the integrity of the Supreme Court, which was already, I think, suffering uh, some as being more political than it should be. 
uh, the fact that the Supreme Court has been a bastion of, I don't want to use the word secrecy, but it has been secret in the sense that it is, you know, they have, this is the first time anything like this has ever happened. And for that to leak out, I think is damaging to the court as, as an institution. Having said that, I think even more damaging is upending 50 years worth of precedent that women in this country have relied on, have um, taken to the bank, so to speak, um, taken away a constitutional right. Uh, I, I think that that is also playing into the hands that of the public that sees the court as being more political than independent these days. And that is really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you you went uh, through the, the confirmation process with uh, with Judge Jackson and um, you know, or Justice Jackson, I guess now I should say. And, um, you know, what when, when you have those, not not to reveal any secrets or anything like that, but you, you, there were a lot of private conversations that took place and, and a lot of things that went on behind closed doors with with her meeting with various senators and uh, from both sides of the aisle. When you walked away from that process, did you feel like this court, the Supreme Court, can be anything other than politicized, or did you walk away from it being being very worried uh, about you know where where we're headed? No, I I, I walked away uh, with a, with mixed emotions about it. On the one hand, uh, I believe that Judge Katanji Brown Jackson is not just a historical. A, hist- a history-making nominee. She's an inspirational nominee, and not just because she's the first African-American female. She, as an individual and as a jurist, is truly an inspirational figure for so, so many people across this country. So I have, on the one hand, hope. I've seen her work, her body of work, and her body of work as a judge, as well as working with my friend Bill Pryor, who is on the 11th Circuit, they work together on the sentencing commission. As you know, Bill is as conservative a judge as they come, but yet 90, 97% of the things that they did on the sentencing commission together were unanimous uh, decisions. That, I think, is, is a good thing, and I wish we could see more of that in the Supreme Court. So I have a, a hope that she will have the ability to work with people and do some things. On the other hand, I've seen a Supreme Court nomination process that has gotten so politicized um, that it has become both in the media, in the Senate, um, and, and by media, I mean not just the news media, but, <coughs> but media in the sense that you've got interest groups running a campaign on television and radio, either supporting a nominee or opposing a nominee. It's become very partisan. Immediately uh, upon her nomination, the RNC started issuing, you know, Republican National Committee started trashing her. Okay. You know, and Democrats did the same thing, by the way, with just Justice Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. Mm-hmm. Now, the Gorsuch thing's a little bit different because of the Merrick Garland thing. But I do believe that the court is really suffering, uh, some from their own making, some from Congress's making some from the media in terms of looking. Look, the, the Supreme Court has never been truly non-political, okay? It's, it's never been that. 
But where we are now with decisions like this being leaked out with the shadow docket that we're seeing, uh, the emergency docket that is being used more and more just in the last few years, that's, that is something new that we're seeing. Um, the, it is giving the stamp of political inter, you know, uh, sway that has never been done, I think, seen uh, before. And that is dangerous when the only branch of government that is supposed to be, have independent, um, and independent doesn't mean that they're in lockstep with each other. It just means they're independent from the other two branches of government. Um, I, I think we're, we're in for some really rough waters. Well, and then you've got, Doug, the... Um... What appears to me, at least based on my recollection, the unprecedented instance of a Supreme Court justice spouse who is as grossly partisan as as anybody that we've ever seen being partisan. And I'm talking about Jenny Thomas. I mean, what's your what's your read on on the impact that her very brazen, caustic level of partisanship is going to have on the rest of Thomas's tenure and on the court. Well, the thing is, David, we don't know how many uh, Supreme Court spouses have been as grossly partisan. The difference with Jenny Thomas is that she is overtly uh, grossly partisan. She makes no bones about it. She sends text messages. She sends emails. She goes to these these events, she goes to different things. And so that is a, that's something that we have never seen before. And it is, it is striking to me. Now I know I, I am, I am married and my wife will tell me that, you know, I I don't control her and she is her own person. And I, that's something we should celebrate at the same time. I think my spouse and I think most people would understand and recognize the sensitivity of your spouse's position. And for that to happen, and there to be no consequences, and there will not be any consequences, by the way, there is no consequences available for that kind of action. Justice Thomas does not have to recuse himself from any, um, this, you know, any cases that could come out of the January 6th of which she was involved. There is nothing that applies. And that's a real problem. And Congress really has their hands tied, I think, because of the constitutional limitations. Uh, on the branches of government. I think there's a separation of powers issue there that they can't be in the process of doing anything except a bill of impeachment, which this doesn't rise to that level. A lot of people would argue it does, but from a constitutional standpoint, I don't think it does. But if that's where we're going with other spouses, we're, <laughs> my Lord, just it's, you, you, you may as well just abandon any pretense and just start electing the Supreme Court justices. Mm. There was a theory floated on uh, Morning Joe this morning about the leak. And Josh and I talked a little bit about this theory. Uh, the theory being that uh, more than likely, uh, in, the, in the minds of Joe Scarborough and, and some others, uh, that the leak actually came from somebody on the political right as opposed to the political left, and Josh, the thing that I did not bring up when I raised this with you earlier is that um, one of those persons who was mentioned was actually Jenny Thomas. You know, so 
you know, Doug, you're extremely plugged in. What are your what are your thoughts on who the leaker might be? And do you think it's possible that even if it's not Jenny Thomas per se, uh, is it possible that perhaps a spouse or somebody, you know, who really does not uh, who doesn't who's not working for the court in some capacity could have been involved in this leak? It's possible. I think it's probably unlikely that it was someone outside of the court. Uh, but anything is possible in today's world of hacks and everything else, I guess. But, you know, David, I, I think trying to engage in that, I mean, I can, I, I think the people on the left are going to point to leakers on the right and the folks on the right are going to point to leakers on the left. The chief justice has, has said that he uh, is going to uh, start an inquiry. Um, some people have called for the Justice Department to um, to do that. I'm not sure that that would be appropriate, again, because of separation of powers. And there's no criminal investigation, uh, criminal case that I know that can think of anyway that would be there. I, I think we just let it play out. And I think you could find any 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 number of motives from from somebody. But the one thing I know is this. It was just damn improper. They should not have done it. It was just improper to do it for whatever motive from the right or the left that is that is hurts the institution of the Supreme Court of the United States. And they 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 have done significant damage, I think, just with the leak alone. Do you like the yeah. way Rod, do you like the way Roberts is uh, responding so far? Well, I think I think the chief justice, uh, you know, folks need to understand, again, uh, the chief justice is in a different position than the members of Congress, members of the administration, or the public. And from what I have seen, uh, I think he has responded in a constrained way. Uh, I, think, I think it was significant that he went as far as acknowledging that that was a, a legitimate draft uh, that had been circulated and that he was going to get to the bottom of it. And that's about, I think, all he can do. Yeah. You know, it's... Um... I, I, I'm, I hate to, to talk about the leak because I think it covers up the bigger, <laughs> you know, the bigger story of the whole thing, and uh, and which is I think the, the goal of a lot of I think you know uh, Senator McConnell, uh, you know, just kept talking about the leak when they were asked about the draft opinion itself, and uh, which you know I understand uh, they this issue, uh, and I'm not sure if we've ever talked about this before on the show, but the abortion issue, um. It seems to me, and I, I want to get your, your thoughts about this. It seems to me that the abortion issue, uh, particularly overturning Roe v. Wade, is a very base Republican issue. It's something that plays well with people in Republican primaries uh, to get them over the hump in Republican primaries. And then outside of that is something that could be very hurtful for the Republican Party. I wonder if maybe I always thought that they would never do this, that they would never take this step because doing so would be very unpopular nationwide. Um, And so I always thought chasing this was more important than ever obtaining it. So I just wonder your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with you on that. I think that that has been true over the last 50 years. Um, and, and I have seen it used in that partisan way. Um, 
and and going beyond that, going beyond, I mean, accusing those uh, supporters uh, of Roe versus Wade and it's the the other case, Casey, um, you know, of of being of really being in favor of going beyond Roe and Casey, of being in favor of late term abortions and being in favor mm-hmm. of something that they have called. Uh, abortion after birth, which is really not a thing, but yeah. it's it 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 it's been yeah. used to really define people in an appropriate way. It was used to define me in ways mm-hmm. that I'd never ever said. Um, at at the same time, uh, Josh, I can also see that this just now pushes this down into some states that they want to make inroads in that they haven't. Because it put, to some extent, it pushes things down into the more local level, the state's level, the legislature's level. And what you could very well see, I mean, I think that it's easy right now for a lot of talking heads like the three of us, and that's really mm-hmm. all we are with right now with this, it, to prognosticate. But I think it's going to be interesting to see. One of the, you could very easily see on a state level that this issue galvanizes um, the right in, in these states that are the so-called blue states, that it galvanizes the right to work harder in those states. And you see those states turn a little bit more purple. At the same time, it could galvanize folks in Alabama and other places that are red states to say, we cannot let this happen. We cannot go this far to, to maybe move those states <laughs> in a little bit more uh, blue fashion. So I, I don't know where it will play out. I know this. I do think that McConnell and uh, Republicans in Washington can try to focus on the leak all they want to, but that ain't going to fly. That dog's <laughs> just not going to hunt. Uh, this is a big issue for people all across this country. And whether it is in people in Alabama or some of these other states that have passed these laws, when people start waking up and realizing that, you know, that your 12-year-old daughter who got raped um, uh, is going to have to carry this child. And there's not a thing that you and your family or her doctor or your faith or anything else can do about it. And that the doctors, even if she gets in a little bit of a health issue, the doctors, because they are have been targeted as potential criminals, that it's going to chill their ability to really effectively um, provide the medical services uh, to these women and potentially kids, um, people I think are going to be pretty upset uh, at the end of the day. They're going to be pretty upset. This is going to be, uh, from what I saw in the opinion, Judge Alito, Justice Alito said, you know, that, that this has gotten so out of hand, this will kind of make sure that it gets back into elected representatives. This is going to cause chaos in 50 states. No question. In my mind, no question about it. You know, you mentioned something in there and because uh, um, I know, you know, this state very well. Um, and I, I've always thought that our return to, to a two party state rested with women first. Uh, that They were the, the, the answer. Uh, and, and then you could start making inroads in other places. Um, do you feel like that this could turn things? Uh, I mean, you know, not immediately, but you know, no, over no, no. the long but, term. But, 
No, no, I, I think absolutely. Uh, younger women and and those that are more. Look, look, you, you said something a moment ago, Josh, that I that I want to come back to, and you said you never thought that Republicans or that they would actually want to overturn Roe versus mm-hmm. Wade. I can assure you that there are so so many people in the state of Alabama, women and men, who never dreamed that it would actually happen. And so it let them focus on other things sometimes. In other words, if folks thought that there was going to be the backstop of a Roe versus Wade decision and a constitutional right, um, then it could, it, could, it could somehow let them be susceptible to voting because they think Democrats may want to allow abortions up until birth. It may let them move beyond a, a woman's right to choose and beyond the things that overwhelmingly most Democrats would not oppose. And I surely never would have uh, agreed to, by the way, not opposed, but agreed to. And so, but now it's here, it's happened. And all of a sudden the laws like Alabama passed is going to become law. I don't see any way other way around it. And, you know, we will, I, I predict, we will see how political that decision was by the legislature and the governor um, to pass and sign into law this bill, because I believe that there will be efforts to change it as soon as the legislature gets back into session. And it's not going to be just the, the people that stood up, you know, like Vivian Figures and Barbara, uh, you know, uh, Drummond down in Mobile and uh, Bobby Single and, Chip, uh, and Chris England, those who stood against this bill. It's going to be some of the Republicans who are quietly going, oh, my God, what have we done? And our folks are not going to like this. And they will prove the point that this was a political stunt rather than something that is meaningful to the people of Alabama and especially meaningful to the women of Alabama, whose who's health, look, we are, for a, for a pro-life state, we don't do a very good job on infant mortality, maternal mortality, health care in general. So I get so disgusted listening to the pro-life legislature talk about this when they don't do the things necessary to take care of life uh, after birth at all. They just don't do it. And we'll see how this goes, but I think people are going to, because at poll after poll that I've seen uh, ever since that bill passed is that a majority of the people in Alabama did not like that bill. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you're right. And, and literally right before we had you on, I was talking about what you just said. Uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the fact that, that, you know, if you, if you really cared about children, then you would have done something prior to this to actually care for those children that are born, you know, and make sure that we lowered the infant mortality that, that, rates. Absolutely. And there are things that, that you can also do, Josh, to, to lower the rate and, and lower the number of women who have to face these really difficult choices. You can provide better health care in general for them. You can provide better access to contraception, better education um, across the board. Um, and, and we just don't do that. And then, I, you know, there I tried in, in my campaigns and in the Senate to try to talk to people to say, let's agree to disagree about a procedure and, and when that procedure might be a, a, available. 
I'll agree with you, it should not be late term. But in early stages, before viability and, and uh, with a mom that uh, a mom's got these rights to, let's just put that aside and let's talk about the things that we can do to give better education, to give better access to contraception. Let's talk about getting uh, health care. Let's talk about expanding the length of time uh, on Medicaid that you can stay on Medicaid. A woman can stay on Medicaid for, uh, for a full year instead of just six weeks to get that baby going. And get that mom okay. And, and you know, it just falls on deaf ears on that. All they want to do is, you know, is, is to, to, to make it a political issue. And that's just, it's yeah. sad and it's unfortunate. Well, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's just like the enhanced child tax credit, you know, thing. You know, I mean, you had millions of children for the first time that had food security. And, and, and it yeah. became, but it, they had to stop it before they got used to that. That was, that was McConnell's right. words, you know. Yeah. Well, how, how does yeah. this work where you have uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to give us again just some some political analysis and insight here. How does this work if you've got polls saying people don't like the law? But then you've got a <laughs> legislature that's saying, oh, no, hell no, you're going to take this law for, for because, because of political reasons. David, it's really simple. A single member of the legislature does not represent the state. They represent a gerrymandered district in which there is, they only have to cotton to a small percentage of the people in their district. They have so damn gerrymandered the state of Alabama and in so many other states that the legislature is really, if you look at it, controlled uh, by a very small number, uh, a very small amount of the electorate. And it is a small percentage of the people in a particular primary that carries the day. And then because of the gerrymandered issue, they are the nominee. So when you are only having to appeal to a small, more radical, more conservative right base, then that's what you do. And that's how we get things like this. That's why we get issues like this, that the legislature will pass this crazy stuff without regard to what uh, the state of Alabama as a whole and the people of the state uh, care about. Because all they got to do is just say, well, the people of my district mm. say X. Well, the people of their district may represent about 20% of the voters if it yeah. really comes down to it. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the bane of American politics right now, the way Republican and Democratic legislatures People, comp people on the right complain about AOC and the squad and folks like that. They're the product of gerrymandered congressional districts as well. We should have nonpartisan drawing of uh, state, House and Senate and yeah. congressional lines. Yep. Yep. Completely We've talked agree. about Com that. Yeah. We've talked yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, we wrote a story not too long ago. There was a House district race that was won. Uh, you know, there was no Democratic challenger. They, he, well, the guy won the primary uh, in, a, in a district that had some eight, eight or 9,000 people in it. And yeah. there were somewhere around 600 votes cast. That's it. Yeah, yeah 600 yeah. votes. That's it. That's a wrap, you know. And, you know, so it's uh, that's and that guy's going to go and have a you know, vote in the, in the House. And um, and that's all he's got to cater to is those, you know, hand few hundred people. That's all he has to impress. Uh, yeah, it's no, it's it's, it's it's really it's really ridiculous the way. Yeah. That, that we do that. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Well, listen, I, we, we got you on your birthday. We got you from fishing. I mean, that's, uh, we, <laughs> we appreciate the, the time and, and the, the knowledge and, uh, you know, and the insight on everything, uh, you know, congrats on, on all of it and, and on, on being able to, to share it through the first African American chief justice or not chief justice, but justice for the Supreme Court. And, uh, that, uh, we, we really appreciate you taking some time with us today. It's not a problem, guys. I always enjoy it. Um, I, I will tell you, I've, I've been so busy, but I, I just, I, I've, I've said this publicly a lot, and I want to say it again for those that might want to listen. This judge, this new Supreme Court justice, is truly going to be a justice for everybody. She is a really inspirational figure. The people on the folks on the left, the far left, I think are going to be a little disappointed because she's not the activist judge that they had expected. People on the right are going to be kind of surprised because she is a very thoughtful, brilliant, uh, engaging judge who I think has an opportunity to kind of get some folks coalescing around um, a, a more common approach. And by common, I mean maybe not just five to four and or six to three liberals versus Democrats, uh, conservatives and vice versa. And it was just an incredible honor for me uh, to be able to do it. Not to mention the fact that I, it was, it was, I enjoyed it so much going back uh, and seeing some of my former colleagues on both sides of the aisle and really truly humbled and gratified at the reception that I got from, from everybody up there. It was wonderful. And I, well, I thank them publicly. Well, uh, they, uh, like us, miss you. Uh, you know, well, we, we know what the replacement's doing, and it's not the same. Okay? We know. <laughs> we know. Uh, walking around acting like he's still a coach. So, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it, it was our, uh, <laughs> so, well, glad we got you here, though. So, uh, thank you for, uh, for taking the time. Uh, happy birthday, uh, you know, and, and enjoy yeah, the fish birthday, later on. Doug. All right, guys. Thank you. Uh, uh, Thank you. Call me anytime. Always enjoy. Yes, sir. Thank you. That is uh, Doug Jones, our forever senator, uh, and uh, we're we were happy to have him on for a few minutes. Let's let's slide out. We'll come back. Wrap this thing up real quick. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. Welcome back. Uh, thanks to uh, our senator, our permanent senator, Doug Jones, for, for coming on with us. Very, very good. We're going to be quick on the on the close uh, here. I mean, not that quick, but, uh, you know, we, we went for a while to open, went for a while with uh, with Doug. And so we'll uh, we'll be uh, we'll be fairly brief here closing up. Just give you our, uh, our right wing nut uh, and whatnot. First, uh, yeah. if you want to email us, want to get in touch, apwproducer at gmail.com, apwproducer at gmail.com. Uh, and also leave us a rating uh, and a review. You know, if you'd like, just do that. It'd help us occasionally. Um, wouldn't hurt. Um, all right. Uh, right wing nuts, uh, K. Ivy. Um, you know, I and I'm honestly I'm torn on whether or not to to make K. Ivy the nut or to make the Republican voting base in this state the nut, um, because I think it's pretty clear that K. <coughs> Ivy blew off Joe Biden's visit to to the state 
to to a company in the state that was making rockets for our military. I mean, this is a Republican visit and had Republican written all over it. Uh, you know, I mean, going exactly. to a rocket manufacturer, uh, you know, to praise workers and, and talk about what great things they're doing to help the people of Ukraine. Um, and she blew it off, you know. She said she had prior commitments, but she spent the day, that time that Biden was there at some meter box manufacturing company, you know, looking at the meter boxes that they had been making, which, I mean, listen, I'm not downing them. They do fine work, I'm sure. But, um, you know, come on, you could have yeah. gone today and, yeah. you know, instead of that day. But so she didn't go. And 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 you know why? You, you She's trying to avoid a primary uh, runoff. With Tim James, you know, she's right up just above 50 percent and and she doesn't want to have a picture of herself out there, you know, I guess shaking hands and being cordial to the president of the United States. Um, and, and it hurt her with voters, which I mean, if they are to the point now where they believe that simply going to meet with the president of the United States, the president of the United States now, I mean, is coming to your to your state to, to for a good visit, not coming down here, you know, to complain about things, not coming down here on a campaign stop, you know, coming down to praise workers in this state for what they're doing. Uh, I don't know where, you know, man, that's a that's a bad spot. Well, so my question is, is it really the voters? Is that really the voters' position? I mean, her base that she can't even shake hands with the president for the benefit of Alabama, or is that just her fear or her handler's fear that that we're really dealing with here? And and I'm not sure how we figure out which is which in this case, but I do think that if you're going to be a leader, then doggone it, lead. Yeah. And yeah. why not, you know, sure, you know, do what Chris Christie did. Chris Christie was no Obama guy. Mm-hmm. But Chris, when Obama went to Jersey for whatever the reason was, was I can't that, remember. Wasn't that after Hurricane Sandy when, that, when it was? was that okay, that's, Sandy? A, that's a, I mean, I don't, I don't remember. That, sure. sounds, it that sounds be, good. I, could, I, could I mean, be wrong that sounds about it. like yeah. that's probably right. So, you know, uh, Chris Christie was there. He met him. He shook hands with him. He talked with him. And he said... I'm representing New Jersey. This mm-hmm. is for New Jersey. This is to, to ensure that New Jersey gets what it needs to get. Mm-hmm. You know, she could have done the same thing. She could have said, you know, Joe Biden and I don't agree on anything except for this. The people of Alabama are doing great work at Lockheed or whatever mm-hmm. the company was. She could have spun it any kind of way. Yeah, that she could just, have. She, you know, foolish. she could have. There, there was an opportunity to give a speech at the at the facility. I mean, Terry Sewell gave you know some brief remarks, and yeah. you know she could have certainly got up there and gave some brief remarks. She could have said, "Listen, I told Joe on the way over here, bless his heart." You know, yep, uh, but yep, you know, it's uh, yep. you know, I thought we were getting. Listen, I thought we were getting Brandon, not Joe. Uh, so you know, I mean, anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it. And and Biden, listen, Biden has been doing this for so long. Yeah. You yeah. know he's accommodating to those things. You know he understands the politics of this stuff. Yeah, it's it's you know I'll say this. This is the, the insanity of this will blow your mind. Tim James, Tim freaking James said, "I would have gone and met the president. As the president of the United States, you got to honor the office." Mm-hmm. Tim James, I know when when you sound less reasonable than Tim James, yeah, that's just not a good look. I, I, so, it's not I mean, a good look. And, 
And honestly, I'll say this for him too. He also said I would have I would have taken the opportunity to tell the president about with the things that I disagree with with his policies and and how he's hurting you know America and the state of Alabama. And, you know that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, Go and have course. a private conversation with the president and say, listen, I disagree with you on these things, and here's why. You know, I'm a leader of this state of in the United States, and here's what's hurting us here, and I think you should consider these things. Mm-hmm. Do that. Yeah, I mean, well, well, that's what a grown-up would do, right? That's yeah. what grown-ups do. Grown-ups have to deal with people. We have to deal with people all the time that we don't agree with. You know, people that we may be engaged in a struggle with at the very moment that we have to smile and shake hands. We do it. That's what grown-ups do. No, not me. I mean, everybody agrees with me, so I don't have to <laughs> ever do that. So, you know, I mean, I'm so loved. <laughs> uh, uh, no, listen, no, you're right. You're 100% right. And I, I mean, honestly, I, I, I can't tell you. I cannot, I, I could not count the number of conversations that I have had with people who I have written columns about disagreeing with things that they have done, criticizing them harshly in a lot of cases for things that they have done, and then taking their phone calls the next day or had to call them. And sometimes, you know, uh, listen, sometimes they're very pissed about this. Some people handle it better than others. Um, I talked to a senator, a state senator yesterday, who a very Republican senator who I have written bad things about because I disagreed with things that he was doing at the time. I can guess. We, is, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Who? Uh, who? who do you think? It is? Oh, you want me to guess? Yeah, guess. I don't think you can guess this one. Wes Allen. No, it's not what's Allen. Oh, no, I, I bet. This was, this was a story. I, I'm working on a story about some gambling issues. And so um, I, I, was actually, I was actually speaking to, um, to, to Greg Albert. I mean, I'm going to quote him in the story oh, okay. uh, that I'm going to write about this. And so I, there's no harm in me telling anybody who, who I was talking to. He didn't tell me anything secretive. But we had a very pleasant conversation. Matter of fact, we were laughing through, through a good portion of the conversation. But, that, uh-huh. I mean, we're not going to agree on, on everything. But we're on certain things. We found, you know, some humor in uh, things that we believe the same way in that others are just refusing to admit reality, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and so but th- that those things happen. You know, you, you have to talk about uh, about stuff and you have to talk to people. And it's just, you know, we get it's. We're not we're not doing good. You know, we're not this nope. idea. You can never compromise that you can never give anybody what they want, that the other side can never get a win uh, for anything. It, it, it's not it's not the way we were set up. You know, nope. it's not. It's it's the it's reason why the, Alabama's broken. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the way the real world works. I mean, no. it doesn't work that way in our families. And we no. know this. It doesn't work that way in our churches. Those of us who go yep. to church, we know that. So mm-hmm. why would we think the world of politics has to be so dramatically different? No, it's listen, it's it's the reason Alabama's broken. I mm-hmm. mean, it is. It's the reason why we never we never advance forward with things and we never make changes. And we always have this corruption issue is because we've been a one party state. We had Democrats. Then we had Republicans. We didn't we never had a mixing of things. Matter of fact, we, we, well, I'll take that back for about five or six years or so there as Republicans were gaining steam and starting to take over. Uh, there was a real mix of, of of the parties, 
And, and there was a lot of negotiation that took place at the state house, and I would venture to say that those were probably our best years for for funding issues, for getting things done, for making sure there was less corruption. And then the other party took over, and you know, and now we're right back in the same boat where we've got a supermajority running running the show, and it's just not good. It's not good for anything. You've got to have those conversations and the compromise, and uh, it's shameful what what Kay Ivey did, and uh, you know, that's I guess that's what's We've come to expect at this point. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But and and so my again, my question is, who's really to blame? Is it Kay Ivey or is it and her and her team or is it the, the voters of Alabama? And I don't know who who ultimately is to blame. But I would say, again, she's a leader, so she's got yeah. to lead, you know. Yeah. And if, and if it's if this thought process is coming out of her camp then somebody needs to pull her coattails and and straighten her out. And if they think that the people of Alabama are are that, I'm going to say, politically immature, then they need to challenge the people of Alabama to do better. Yep. Yep. Couldn't have said it better. And uh, you know what? I'm not even going to try. We're just going to get the hell out of here. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, we're going to slide out. Uh, until next week, you guys be safe out there. Peace.